You ready, Mr. Steve? Ready to go. Good morning and welcome to Sunday morning auditorium Bible class. Uh, if you're at home on your own orange carpet, uh, well here we got Hershey's chocolate, so we got regular, we got dark, we got Mr. Good and Crack, uh, as they've shortened their names. If you're at home, just if you get a question right or something, just reach over in that little glass bowl on the, on the counter, the one that's got the ribbon candy in it or the spice drops, just reach over there, treat yourself. And if you're Roseanne sitting on a Chase Lounge somewhere in the Mediterranean, uh, just go ahead and indulge in some Belgian chocolate out there. Love you, Roseanne. I'm sure she's watching. <laughs> Nobody's watching? She said she might tune in, so I just thought I'd yank her chain a little bit. <laughs> All righty. So we're going to pick up on our study. We've been doing uh, the Kingdom in Exile, the Kingdom of Christ. We started in Daniel with the uh, Babylonian uh, captivity. We've been working our way through and sideways and everything else. So we're in Nehemiah, uh, and that's where we're at today. And we're going to talk about a social crisis that happens. Uh, in Nehemiah 3, they, they started rebuilding the wall, and they talked about who did what sections. And we walked, worked our way around counterclockwise around the, uh, the wall. Chapter 4, we talked about um, so there were people who got upset, and they opposed the work, and then uh, the work resumed. So... Um, we're at a social crisis with Nehemiah 5. That's where we're at. So in this grand situation of things, if you haven't been kept keeping up with your Nehemiah history, there you are. So Nehemiah 5, verses 1 through 2. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, With our sons and our daughters, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. So while they're building the wall, a social crisis arises. Uh, and I call it that throughout the whole lesson, but that's basically what it is. And we'll look at a full description of the problem, then we're going to come back and look at it. We'll read the next few verses, too. In verse 3, there were also those who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our houses to get grain because of the famine. In verse 4, there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Verse 5, Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brother. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. So what kind of crisis is developed? I don't know, it's a social crisis. I've said it. But what kind of, well, you know, how would you, if you could sum this crisis up, what would you sum it up with? Just a couple words. It's a financial deal really what it is. Um, well, we'll look at it. It really, it's, it's hurting the whole cycle of everything is starting to get hurt because of finances. We'll back up with verses 1 and 2. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers, for there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. Who were the first people to notice that there was a financial crisis going on? The Jews? Yeah, the Jews. Anybody else want to elaborate on that? It says, and their wives too. And I just, usually, like I say, with the Jews and everything, you don't usually see the wives feature into this. It's usually the, it's the men, or it might just say the people are realizing it. A great people and their wives. Uh, the wives are People, it's just, that's how it's written. Why were the wives some of the first to notice the crisis? 
who else feeds the family? That's right. That's right. The guys are out building a wall, and they're lifting the big stones. Uh, as, as we saw with building the wall, some of that was and their daughters. and their, So the wives are there at home taking care of stuff, and they start realizing, they're the first ones to realize the, you know, it's like that. If the, if the price of eggs or milk or bread goes up, I'm probably not the first person to notice it, you know, to be honest. I, they taste the same at home. So I'm probably not the first one to, to notice it. But the wives have noticed it, and they've started this outcry, basically. So it hits, this crisis hits three classes of people. What, classes of, what class of people are affected here in verse 2? So these people... Yep, sons and daughters. Um, well, that's kind of part of it. So what kind of, what kind of people are needing to buy grain so they can keep eating and keep alive? If you have to buy grain, what does it say about yourself? Yeah, you're working. You're not, you're not, you're not a landowner, right? The landowners probably aren't out there buying grain because they got grain. Mr. Brent there. Not bad. What was the root cause in their situation? What really caused them to not have grain? Family. Family. How much family? Was that Paul who said that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. There were too many people. They were getting overpopulated. They were getting too many. And so with so many people, they couldn't feed their families as well. So it was an overpopulation problem. Do you think two months of wall building caused this? It can't be, can it? It's two months. How many kids can be born in two months? <laughs> okay, a lot of kids can be born, <laughs> but you can't keep that up, right? Science says we can't keep that up of just having kids every two months. It just, it takes basically nine months to have kids. So this is a problem that's, you know, and you're not going to have this population boom, it's just, it's happened over time, as, as time has happened. Verse 3, I don't know why I'm pointing that way. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. So what class of people are these people? Yeah, they are people who are landowners. These are people who, they've owned the fields, but now they're mortgaging them. They're, they're, taking them, they're borrowing money against their own land in order to buy... They're borrowing the money against their, their fields, their vineyards, or houses to get grain because there's a famine now. There's just not enough food to go around. What's the root cause in their situation? It's a famine. Yeah, it's a famine is what's caused this. Um, that happens. The Bible's full of famines. You think two months of wall building caused this famine? No, the famine's just been happening. Verse 4 and 5, And there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children, yet we are facing, forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it's not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. So what class of people are affected here? Say it again? Yeah, I would say that. Uh, yeah, there's definitely landowners there. Um, I don't know, probably lost but myself. I've forgotten exactly what my answer was on that. Um, 
anyways, yeah, definitely landowners, definitely, it just, it creeps up with each thing. Um, these are people who borrowed, had to borrow so much money that their kids have been enslaved. Uh, so what's the root cause of this problem? Taxation is the answer, yeah, they are overtaxed. The overtaxed probably because, again, the famine that's going on, because of the overpopulation, because the kings are kings. That was the warning when, uh, when the people picked the king, when Saul became king. Your, the kings will just take your money. I'm God, I'm your king. This has been forecast long, long, long ago. Think two months of wall building did this? No. It's not the taxes that are building the wall. So this is just politicians. Just say it flat out. It's politicians. Um, it, the, the taxes are just too much. Is this the kind of crisis that will simply work its way out? And how will it end up if it doesn't work its way out? Is it going to take care of itself? What's that, Paul? If it doesn't work its way out, it's going to be collapsed. It's going to be economic collapse, right. The people at the forest, they're going to be broke. Uh, the, the landowners are going to lose all their land. All the, even the people end up as slaves. It just, it's, it's collapse. You're going to have two classes, those with and those without. And that's all it's going to be. Verse 6, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. So how did Nehemiah feel about this? Such a dark part. Come on. Angry. If he's angry. I asked the easiest questions too, okay? I promise. He's angry. Not terrible. Not terrible. Nehemiah's angry. If you wrote your own memoir, would you write down that you were angry? Would you ever describe yourself as angry? Maybe? Oh, Wanda says yes. Paul says maybe. I've been on social media for a while. How many times have I seen people just flat out saying they're angry? Not too often, right? Unless they're a victim of something. But that's not something they usually record. But it's recorded here. Uh, it's recorded in God's Word that now, 2,400 years later, we're still reading about how Nehemiah felt about this. And we can see that, we can see that and how he's going to respond. What was this anger focused on? Say it again. Yeah, against the nobles and the officials, the people who've caused, who've been the root cause of this problem, really. That, that, it all kind of trickles down. It doesn't even trickle. It just flows down. So we'll pick up in verse 7 through 8. I'll kind of break it down as we talk about it. I took counsel with myself. What do you think this means? Takes counsel with himself. Mentally, he's trying to determine what's right, wrong, cause, and fix. Yeah, he's going to try to figure out what, what's right, what's wrong, who to go to, how to say it right. You've got to tone down your anger. Those of, those of us who have been in angry about something, if you just flat out just let it fly out of your mouth, it ain't going to work, right? You know, it's just... So he's going to try to fix the problem, so he has to tone himself down. He has to get a plan together, so he, he kind of thinks it over. Probably time in prayer, time uh, talking to God about it, and figuring out a plan. 
and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest, each from his brother. So where does he start? To resolve this crisis, he starts with, I guess Fernando already said, right? Start, start with the, the nobles and the officials. Start right there. Was it wrong to charge interest on loans to fellow Jews? Yes. It doesn't, it, we, we forget about that, right? If you borrow money today, you automatically, yeah. you're going to pay interest on it, right? There's, just, there's no free money out, out there. It's gonna, you're going to pay interest on it. So it was illegal to them, and it's in Exodus 22, if you ever want to look at it. Exodus 22 is a, a strange chapter. There's some other laws in there that you would almost think never needed to be written down, but they apparently did. Uh, Exodus 22, 25 through 27. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. And what God's compassion told them to return him in a cloak. He says, you know, flat out says, don't take interest on this. If you're holding their cloak as collateral, give it back to them. That's the only thing they have to sleep in. Um, that's the compassion God has for his people. How does this compare? If you hold his cloak as collateral, give it back before nightfall. Yet the Jews are enslaving their brothers. Can you compare those two? Does it sound like they're doing the right thing? No. This is a problem that you see throughout the story of the Old Testament. It's a problem you see into the New Testament. Um, when they go, when the Pharisees go to, uh, I guess it's not really the, the Pharisees, but uh, anyways, when they go to arrest Jesus, when they decide he has to die, they have illegal trials. They, they break commandments. You know, thou shalt now kill. We're going to have him killed. Don't bring false witnesses against your brother. They hire people to lie about Jesus. You know, these things are about the same thing. We know the law, and we really want to keep the law, and we want to be right with God, but at the same time, we're willing to break it, and that's what you see here. You see people flat out going way the wrong direction from where they should be. So usury, is there a word? Have you used that word this week? Anybody use the word usury this week? No. Nobody. Why not? Because you haven't been a victim of it? That's, uh, that's probably a reason you have it. Have you, have you ever, do you know this word? Yeah, okay. It's the illegal practice of charging unreasonably high rates of interest, okay? By the way, I loaned this chocolate out, and everybody gets a piece should bring me a bag next week for teaching. Just kidding. <laughs> See, that would be usury, right? That would be usury. So um, just a couple examples here. Just for those who want to know, just so see how it pays, works out today. Paycheck loans in Florida, you've seen the places around, right? You can usually tell the economic status of America or a town by how many paycheck loan places there are. And if you've never used one of these places, yeah, Florida's law currently, it used to be you could charge 333% was the maximum rate. 333%. I'm not kidding about that number. But the current law says you can borrow up to 500 bucks you can only have one paycheck loan at a time, but somehow there's a way to do two. Uh, you can borrow that money for seven to 31 days, and your fee is 10% plus $5, okay? That doesn't sound bad, right? You can borrow 500 bucks, and it's gonna cost you 15 bucks at the end of the month. Well, it'll cost you $55, $55 at the end of the month. That doesn't sound terrible, 
okay? Until you start re reading what that really costs. If you take a $100 loan and you pay it back next week, it's going to cost you 15 bucks. It costs you $10 in interest plus $5 uh, fee. If every week you basically pay that fee back and you borrow the $100, you borrow that $100 every week and you never get back ahead, the interest, if you do a one-week repayment plan, you're paying 780% interest is what you'll end up paying. You'll pay almost eight times what that, what that borrowed money you borrowed was. Well, yeah, this is legal. This, this is the law. This is fully legal. It's a tax, uh, it's, a, it's an oppression type thing. The guy that needs $100, um, I read a book uh, called Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, it's a really good book. Uh, it talks, the guy is, I, he's running for Senate right now, J.D. Vance, I think is his name. Um, he grew up in the Appalachians, Appalachians, whatever, whatever you're gonna call it, as a hillbilly, basically. And it's a story about his family, his, his grandparents and stuff. But you learn a lot about economics of people. But one of the, I remember one of the things that was said, you know, this sounds like a crazy loan shark deal, but if rent's due on Friday, and if you're late on rent, you're going to pay a $50 fee, you're better off borrowing that little bit of money and paying the $15 or the $25 on Monday. You're still money ahead, you know, because that's how it is. If you're balancing zero money, that's how it works. So, anyways. This is usury in America to me. To me, I mean, like say, if you have to live on that, it's, it's costing people big, big bucks, and uh, un unfortunately. And you can see the, the, the buildings, you can see the businesses, whatever. I, don't, I, I sleep at night, I don't have to do that. I don't have to, I don't loan people money at that rate. Um, as a mechanical engineer, we had to take Humanities classes, okay? That's just to keep us rounded. Those of you who are engineers or something like that, you already know. To keep you rounded, they make you take humanities classes. I say make, it's really what it is. We wouldn't just take that stuff on our own. Um, anyways, I got to a point I needed one humanities elective, and the one thing that really fit my schedule was a Shakespeare class. So I took a junior level English class. I was the only person in there who was not an English major, and I'm a mechanical engineer. I think we read six Shakespeare plays in that, in that class. One of those I remember was The Merchant of Venice. Anybody ever read The Merchant of Venice? One for me, one for me. There we go. The Merchant of Venice. As I looked into it, I guess it's, a, it's an anti-Semitic thing. But anyways, the, the villain, but maybe he's the hero, is a guy named Shylock. He is a loan shark. He's a Jewish moneylender. Um, Anyways, towards the end, he actually becomes a Christian, and he just kind of, he fades away into the play. But um, anyways, that's a whole different story. He loans a guy some money. But as collateral, it's a pound of flesh, okay? If you don't pay back the loan, I take out one pound of flesh, okay? Well, the guy bankrupt. He defaults on the loan, so Shylock goes to get his payment, one pound of flesh. And it goes to the court system, if I remember right. It goes to the court system, and the judge basically says, you're right, you can have your one pound of flesh, but not one drop of blood. You can't overcut it, you can't undercut it, or you will suffer from the laws of Venice, I think, well, obviously it's the merchant of Venice. You'll, you'll, you'll be penalized by those laws, so you're entitled to your pound of flesh, but just one pound. So, anyways, 
that's some usury right there. You know, who would, who would put up a pound of flesh for borrowing some money? How much money would you borrow for a pound of flesh? I got a couple pounds of share, you know, maybe okay. I probably lost a pound or two of flesh here and there. If you ever uh, worked on a car, I'm sure you lost a pound or two here and there. Uh, machines are that way. You're going to lose a little bit. But anyway, there it is. The judge ruled the words expressly specify a pound of flesh. Take your penalty out of a pound of flesh. Shed one drop of Christian blood when you cut it. The state of Venice will confiscate your land and property under Venetian law. That's his penalty. So, anyways, that one just came to my mind with the whole usury deal. Uh, that's probably the height of all usury right there. So. So I recommend if you go home this afternoon, you got nothing else to do, pick up a little Merchant of Venice, start reading, enjoy your nap the rest of the afternoon. So there you go. So Shakespeare is not my thing. Anybody ever read Shakespeare? No. Oh, the one with an English degree. <laughs> Cheater. Ugh. Ugh, look at that. So anywho, those who don't know, uh, Shakespeare is credited with creating a lot of words in English language that we uh, didn't know. Uh, Nehemiah 5, 7 through 8, I guess the same. Oh, no, it's not. I took counsel with myself. It's a whole passage right together. I took counsel with myself, and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials and said to them, you are exacting interest, each from his brother. I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So as a result of the usury of the nobles and the officials, the brethren are being sold into slavery. Charge enough interest, they can't keep up the payments. We take you, we sell you into slavery. Uh, in case you didn't know, this is also illegal. Did you know you can't sell your brothers into slavery? It is. Leviticus 25, 42, you probably don't need to read it, but it, trust me, it's illegal. Uh, what had Nehemiah been doing when he found Jews for sale? As he cruises the Gentile markets looking for uh, giant pearls of great value and such like that, he finds Jews for sale as slaves. What does he do? Special dark bar on this side. It's special. What does he do? He buys them back. He finds brethren for sale as, as slaves. He buys them himself. He frees them. What was the response of the nobles and the officials when Nehemiah public, publicly charges them with breaking God's law for dealing with his people this way? It says they're silent. They can't even find a word. Clutch the pearls. <gasps> Caught us. You know, and they're doing this on a daily basis. They are doing this. All the money, all the economic flow goes one direction. And they probably don't have a conscience about it until they are called out publicly. In front of an assembly, Nehemiah calls them out, and they got no response. Verse 9, so I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Really. Ought you not to walk in the fear of God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? So not dealing with God's people as God intended makes it tougher to deal with the fill-in-the-blank for a special dark bar. If we don't deal with our brothers well, it makes it harder to deal with who? God. What's that? God. <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably even better than my answer, so I'll give you that. Oops, sorry, Brent. Oh, hooked a little to the right there. 
It makes it harder to deal with God. I will definitely tell you that. It makes it harder to deal with God if you don't deal with his people, because they're his people. We'll give out another special dark bar. It also makes it harder to deal with who? The enemy. The enemy. Did you say enemy? Ah, there you go. See, just that easy. Come to class, get you. All right. It makes it harder to deal with the enemies. As we've dealt with um, the 40 years that they wandered before they came into the promised land, the outsiders are the enemies. As we go through judges and stuff, those people are who come in, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Ammonites. These people are against God's people. We've dealt with this last chapter, Nehemiah 4. The neighbors are still trying to stop work. Um, how do you deal with them? How do you show them you're God's people? If you're fighting with your own people. If you're enslaving your own people. If you're making your own economic disaster. Still true today? Yeah. <laughs> yes. The announcement slides we have that go out on the live video on the internet. We don't air out too much dirty laundry, right? So, what's it? He asked to? All right, you can share it with him. Look at this, creating friends right here in Bible class. There you go. You're the winner. So, yeah, they're airing out a dirty language. Uh, dirty language. Dirty, dirty laundry is, you know, the more you put it out there, dirty language. We can put a lot of that out there, too, probably. But um, it makes it harder to deal with those who don't know God. How do you going to bring somebody to God if all, you can, all they hear is your complaints? All they hear is how somebody treated you wrong, how you treat somebody wrong. So... Verse 10, moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. So Nehemiah urges the nobles and the officials, what's he do, ask them to do to turn this around? Step one, stop charging interest. See, just that simple. Stop charging interest. They don't charge interest and nobody can get behind, nobody gets enslaved, nobody loses their land, nobody starves. This goes all the way back to Egypt. God freed the Israels because he didn't want them enslaved. That was a big, uh, yeah. that, that was just a big thing that, that of their culture, is we're not supposed to be enslaved. We're not supposed to be enslaved. And as a matter of fact, the verse I pointed to in Leviticus is talking about not enslaving your brothers. It says I freed them from Egyptian slavery, and that's why it's wrong. You're right. I mean, that exact verse, I think it's Leviticus 25, 42, that's, it ties it back to that. I freed them from that. Don't put it back on yourself. Just don't do it. You're right. It ties it that far back. So that point, I don't even know how many years it's been. What are we guessing? 700 years? 1,000 years? Any guesses? I don't even know. So if you go back to Egypt, from Egypt, well, yeah, from when they got out of that, you know, 40 years before they get into Canaan, I don't know, too many judges, too many kings, hundreds of years. How about that? Does that work? It's been hundreds of years, and they're still, still the same thing. So Nehemiah uses the words I and us in this. Did you notice that? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon the exacting of interest. Don't get confused and think he was doing this kind of thing. It's more a uh, avoid antagonizing them. It's, it's kind of a teamwork versus accusation. If I tell you, you 
need to stop doing this. People are like, whatever. But if we say we, I'm a part of this now, right? And you, get, you can change your tone on how you deal with people. And things work different. So it's just one of those things, we versus you. You can tell who's married to a social worker, can't you? Right there. So. Verse 11, return them to this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. End all the oppression of the poor, the interest, the foreclosures, even like that. You foreclose on the people's land, now you rent it back to them. Let them work, now you take rent in the form of wine and oil and stuff like that. I mean, it's this whole cycle. It's just, I mean, it's the... It's the Scam of scams right here. I don't know what it's a scam. I, I would feel it would be, but whatever. Basically, he says, stop that all. That's what he says. Verse 12, then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. So what was the response of the nobles and officials? The people who were guilty of all that stuff? Their response was, yeah, we'll stop. How trustworthy are evil people to their word? We don't trust evil people? What? Don't we? Are you sure? Huh. Well, that goes the rest of the lesson. So, just kidding. So, anyways, yeah, we don't trust evil people, right? Um, they just, they've already shown they will do anything. They will hurt people. So, you don't trust them. So, who did he call in as witnesses to hold them accountable? He's already speaking in front of an assembly. He's already gathered a bunch of people to hear it. Now he brings in who? The priests. The priests. He brings in the priests to make them, you know, you say you're going to do it? Swear you do it? Now we've got God involved too. We're going to be the people of God. We're going to treat the people of God like people of God. We're going to bring God in on it too. Although we've seen sometimes where priests are pretty corrupt too. Anyways, but he brings them in to help make this happen. The whole nation's going to collapse. Otherwise, something's got to happen. 5.13, I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep the promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. What action did Nehemiah use to symbolize the way God would treat those who did not keep the promise? shakes out his apron. Very good. Wanda does that. She shakes out her apron. So I guess it wasn't just his apron. It was his tunic or his cloak or whatever he was wearing. He just shakes it out. I saw you. So Wanda was familiar with doing this because she's done this before probably, right? Shaking. Shaking out. Shake out wrinkles. Shake out wrinkles. What the fuck with that? I <laughs> you must have better clothes than I do. <laughs> wrinkles don't shank out. They just don't. That, that's good. All right. How can we relate to this today? What do you do to do like that? Because Wanda says you shake out clothes. Sign up the document and say you give What's that? If you have to put your signature on something. Yeah. Well. Make a promise. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see that. That'd be a weird way to do that, though, wouldn't it? That'd be a weird way to do that, wouldn't it? Go down to the bank, shake your clothes out, and that's the same as... I don't know. I think about trying that maybe sometime. 
How about something else? What do we do today that's similar to this? We shake out. I don't know. I never shook out anger. Maybe that works too. Yeah, we'll take, we'll take. No wrong answers ever. All right. I had a I had a candy bar here for BB. Steve, does she like regular chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. I'll just leave this here for BB because uh. I had a song, I was going to ask her who sang a song called You Can Eat Crackers in My Bed Anytime. Because I know B.B. knows the answer to this. It, it is Barbara Mandrell. That's right. Okay. Who's willing to let somebody eat crackers in their bed? You've got to shake them out, right? That's exactly it. Nobody wants to sleep with crackers in their bed because they get everywhere, right? You sit on a couch watching TV or... Some of you eat crackers, it's going to be all over you. So you shake off your shirt, got to go. Pick that up with a live feed, that's right. <laughs> so, so you shake off the crackers. You shake off the Doritos, all right? You lick off the Cheetos, that's what you got to do there. But on the other stuff, you do it, all right. Who's got a pet? Who's got a cat or a dog that puts a lot of hair out? So you shake off the clothes, you shake off the dog hair, shake off the cat hair. We got two cats. One likes to camp out on me. How much cat hair or dog hair would you want to get off of you before you came to church this morning? Most of it? Well, all of it. Are you sure it's all of it? You, you're not going to shake it, just a little bit of it off? Just a little bit? Roller. <laughs> You're more attentive than I am. I'll probably get cat hair on. So anyway, the less on you, the better. And that's really what this is. It symbolizes the same thing. Just, may God shake the cat hair off of his cloak the same as he would shake you out. If you are lying to him, he's going to get rid of you. He's going to shake you out like cat hair, like crackers. He's going to shake you off just that way. Here's the great bell. Someday when I become an elder, I'll get rid of that bell. I, pro I promise that long ago, obviously it didn't happen. What was the response of the people hearing the charges and the oaths of the, what was their response? They heard this, amen, that's it, right? That's why people say amen. It, what's it mean? What's it mean? Huh? I let it be, I agree. Yeah, let it be as it is said. Yeah, I'll go with that. You know, it is. It's kind of an I agree with it, but it, unfortunately, we're all that way. We do. But it means kind of let it be, as God said. Um, I understood at one time that amen was translated as amen in every single language in the world. I no longer believe that's fully true, but when I looked on uh, Wikipedia, the great source of all knowledge this morning, most languages have amen, very similar. It may be amen with an I or something like that. It's still very similar. So, Did they keep their word? The people did as they promised. Look at that. It worked. So that's the end of that section. Verse 14, it picks up. This one's pretty quick. We'll try to scam it in. Scam it in. We'll try to put it in about three minutes here. Verse 14, moreover, from the time that I was appointed to their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. So this part of the chapter is kind of retrospective. It's probably out of place. I don't know why it's where it's at, but it is. 
He kind of looks back over the 12 years he was governor. Um, that's the common timeline, 12 years after they built a wall. He says that him and his staff didn't take the usual allotments. There was a, you know, you're the governor of the area, you can have money for food and, food and money, the city set aside. He didn't do that. What would move him to not take the money that the state set aside to take care of the state? Got the Persians running everything, but this is really for Israel. So he loves Israel enough that he's doing this for free. Okay? Um, that's the truth. He's doing it for free. It says, the former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily rations 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants loaded it, lorded it over the people. But I did not do it because of the fear of God. So these former governors, probably Persians, uh, did not fear God. So they would just take whatever money. They raised their own wages. I say we get more money. One shekel is about three denarii. Denarius is a day's wages. I know it's different time periods, but still. So basically, they were taking 40 shekels a day in pay, which is equal to 120 days pay for a standard person. That sounds pretty exorbitant. That was what persons were doing. Nehemiah didn't take a dime. I also persevered in the work on this wall. We acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. He wasn't a hummer. He didn't stand around, hmm, look at that. He worked on the wall. He was the governor, and he still didn't take any pay. Moreover, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. So at Nehemiah's expense, he fed himself, he fed 150 men, he also fed people who came from the other areas to help build the wall. He fed these people out of his own pocket. Uh, for those who were going to compare, Jezebel had 400 prophets of Asherah at her table that the people had to pay for, First Kings 18:19. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds. And every ten days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on the people. So each day, it was one ox and six sheep and a bunch of birds to feed these people. For comparison, Solomon served 30 oxen and 100 sheep daily at his table. It's there. Um, I have no idea what that would cost. Anyone want to try to guess what a one ox, six choice sheep, and some birds would cost for dinner? What would it cost to feed 150 people? Tiffany, you got about that many kids. What would it cost to have? Oh, come on. 4,000 <laughs> weeks. Two weeks, yeah. It costs a lot. You got 150 people. It's going to cost you a ton to feed these people. But he's taken that out of his own pocket. I don't remember it saying what Nehemiah had had for a job. When he was in Babylon, he had a job. He went to the king. The king listened to him. Um, this guy's got a lot of money somehow. The king gave him a big amount of money. Maybe he's paying for it out of that rather than his governor's allowance. Maybe he stopped at Monte Carlo on the way through, put it all on red, and doubled the money and kept the profit. I don't know. But anyways, he's paying it all on his own some way, somehow. Verse 19, remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. This is Nehemiah's prayer. Remember, I'm doing this for your people. I'm doing this for my people. Um, is it okay to pray that? It's okay to have God remember what we're doing for him. It's okay to, to do that. You know, it's not bragging. It's between you and God. Remember what I'm, I'm doing. So, that's it. Next week, Nehemiah 6, a conspiracy comes up next week. So, Let's tune in next week, same bat channel. Uh, Chuck's going to teach next week, I think. So 
Anywho, Nehemiah 6 next week. Thank you all for joining me. Thanks for eating chocolate.